1: Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host, and this is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. We are right in the middle of election season. This recording today, the one that you're hearing right now, uh, was recorded actually the day after the midterm election, and uh, still a lot of things up in the air, certainly the election did not go the way that it was predicted to go. Um, we'll see how it all shakes out when the story is told. One of the things we do know, though, and we've known this for a while, and we even saw this reflected yesterday, particularly in places like Florida, is that a lot of folks, voters, who once voted on one side of the aisle have switched their vote. A lot of people, particularly who voted on the left, have now started voting uh, on the right. And man, what an interesting... Uh, development this has been. I think that a lot of people believe this big red wave that we've been talking about would be entirely the result of that. People on the left going, we don't want that anymore. We're going to vote right. We haven't seen exactly that major of a shift, but we have certainly seen a shift take place. If anything, we have seen a lot of people begin to ask real questions about the party that they have always supported, whether that is left or right. We've been through a period of lockdowns, everything connected to COVID, of course. Now we're dealing with economic issues and and so many other questions about the future, questions that uh, as yet have remained unanswered. And so we're looking at those who represent us and asking questions perhaps we did not in the past. It used to be very common to vote along party lines, and now we're asking questions about what exactly that party is going to do when they get into office. These are all healthy questions. Uh, One of the guys who has written about this recently, who talks about this, and um, who I'm really happy to have had a conversation with that I can share with you is Adam Coleman. Adam Coleman is the author of Black Victim to Black Victor. He's an op-ed writer, public speaker, host of A Good Faith Space, um, very active on Twitter. He is also the founder of Wrong Speak Publishing. Wrong Speak Publishing, go and check them out. A lot of folks write for them. But he takes a very, um, very well-rounded, I guess I'll say, view of the world. He has a worldview that is common sense, a worldview that asks real questions, and a worldview that causes him, and he then encourages others, to vote according to their worldview, instead of just the letter next to the name of the person running for office. He speaks so clearly. He thinks clearly. I'm very grateful to have had him on the show. Please uh, enjoy this conversation with Adam Coleman. Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now Crazy shipping, uh, free shipping and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need <laughs> to take a look at. You can call for details eight hundred four eight nine six four five zero. 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Four five zero, calling that number. You will get your free kit, and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, even wars, and how in all of those, gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios. Uh, one of the things I love about Lear Capital is that they are an American-owned company, proud to do business with Americans that share conservative values. Write this number down, 800-489-6450. Call them today, or if you don't want to call, you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes. Check them out. You will do yourself a great service by at least investigating Lear and what they have to offer.
0: Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
1: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available
1: in all states. Adam Coleman, thanks for joining me. really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I
2: really, I really do appreciate it. Uh,
1: this is a uh, this is a crazy time. So we we are recording right now the day after the midterm election. So there's still a lot of unknowns, a lot of things we're not uh, we're not clear on. But I know you're running around and uh, trying to figure some of it out. Um, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, but let's start with the article you just wrote about what we know. And uh, you were mentioning that to me a minute ago. Um, talk about where people can get that article and then, you know, kind of your perspective on what we do know up to this point.
2: Sure. So they can go and, uh, read all my articles uh, on my Substack. It's adambcoleman.substack.com. Um, so the, the article I wrote today, actually, um, I, just a preface by saying I'm currently in, in Florida. I went to Ron DeSantis's, um, re-election party. Nice. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was a great experience. Um, but it was good to actually be there to talk to people who know him and, and work for him and just have like a, a better idea about him. Um, yeah. And it kind of just confirmed what I already felt about Ron DeSantis uh, before the event. Um, but to, to highlight the article that I wrote, it was just kind of like a gut feeling of realizing certain things after waking up, checking Twitter, checking the results from, uh, from the prior day. Um, obviously, Florida was a landslide, and we all felt it was going to be a landslide. Um, and I think there were multiple reasons why it was a landslide. The biggest thing that uh, people within the campaign were noticing is that there were blue districts that turned red, and asking the question, "Why did they turn red? Yeah, why? What caused them to actually switch?" Um, but the the thing I wanted to kind of discuss is because I think a lot of people on the right, a lot of Republicans, assumed that this would be some mega red wave that would come through. And in some ways, you know, obviously there was progress that was made um, for Republicans in the House, but there are key elections that I think could have gone a different way if the approach was different leading Mm -hmm. into it. And so the article is basically saying that Republicans didn't receive a red wave, they actually received a red warning. Right. And I think Interesting. there are these key elections and I just use, for example, the race between Dr. Oz and Fetterman. Yep. Fetterman yep. obviously has cognitive issues. Right. Right. In, in any other election, this would be like, yeah, you don't vote for the guy who just had a stroke. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dr. Oz, uh, I believe it's yeah, it's been called that Dr. Oz has a loss at race. Yep. yep. And so we have to ask the question, why? And it goes back to what I've been saying from the first place. Dr. Oz, one, was a weak candidate. Um, But how did a weak candidate like him make it to that position of winning the primary? It's because he got Trump's endorsement.
1: Yep, that's right.
2: And so while Trump is popular amongst the Republican Party, and understandably so, the problem is that when you reach a general election, Trump doesn't have that broad appeal like he used to. And what I'm trying to tell people is that 2016 is not 2022 hmm. 2016 there was intrigue about trump because he's a familiar name but not in politics yeah and he was also facing hillary clinton who had already lost a a, a general election or not a general election she had already lost a primary amongst democrats
0: yeah.
2: um, previously so she's not the most favorable person and as she's running again and and facing donald trump so people were definitely interested to see what he what he could do and he was able to gain people who were somewhere in the middle who didn't really like hillary but were willing to give him a chance yeah and so throughout that time politics like always changes and so trump hasn't realized that his intrigue his um mysteriousness politically is gone and so now we know how he governs, now we know what he'll do in office, or at least we can assume that he's going to keep doing the same thing that he did before, right? We have a political record that we can judge him on. We have mm. a style of politics that we can judge him on, how he's going to respond when, uh, you know, this publication says this about him, Yeah. you know, how he tweeted, how he interrupted his own message put out by the same people who work for him, Right you see all these different things uh and and whether some of the chaos was his fault or someone else's fault but you saw what he can do and so now that that intrigue is gone right it's not yep. there and i'm talking almost on a daily basis to people who voted for him twice who are saying i'm done with trump all right they they voted for him twice they're interested in someone else they're interested in someone who isn't as polarizing? And so, what I'm trying to tell people is that if if you're just a uh, an independent, a right leaning independent who occasionally votes Republican, you don't really care. Then this is not a message for you. But if you are a Republican, you care about your party and the future of your party. For one, besides everybody talks about Donald Trump's age, what he, how old he'll be, but besides that. <clears throat> you have to understand you need someone with broader appeal. And I'm right. sitting here in Florida where Ron DeSantis runs away, right? I think it was like a 20-point margin. He runs away in Florida <laughs> winning Democrat yeah. Democrat areas. Why? Because he has broad appeal. And we saw it in a small way within the state of Florida. And And just to rebuff someone who may say, well, that's within that state, right. how would he do as far as independence from other places? But if you think about it, what was the one thing that Florida had happened within the past two years that other States didn't necessarily have massive amounts of people that moved to that state. And you have people who move from blue areas. You can't assume that these were just Republicans living in blue areas. You have to also assume that some of these people were Democrats. Some of these people were independent. Some of these people are going to be in the middle, you know? So he was able to, while taking in an influx of people coming yep. from, presumably maybe non-red right. states, and still keep the state yeah. red, I think that matters. So
1: so two questions connected to that. And because Trump mm-hmm. is such a major force right now, whether we like it or not in politics, and, and some love it and some don't, that's not the point. What are the chances of him looking at what happened last night and going, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> I need to make a different decision? So two things. One, he has been... Down on DeSantis for some reason in the last couple of weeks, right? And I think that's leading into a primary, and he's he's already setting the stage for that. So down on DeSantis and then um, supporting several other candidates across the country. DeSantis overwhelmingly wins, so the guy he, he says stay away from. And the candidates that he supports uh, overwhelmingly not win, <laughs> did not win. Right. So it seems like a reasonable approach would be to look at that and go, okay— maybe I just need to step aside or get behind someone or try to continue to fire up the base or whatever, but not run. What are the chances of that being his conclusion after this?
2: 1%. <laughs> so you think it's 1%. <laughs> generous. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> you're saying there's a chance. I think there's a 1% chance. Um, the fact that he is on um, True Social putting out how there, I think he put out like 170 Wins to you know nine losses or something like that, right? Of endorsements, but you know his endorsement doesn't matter to someone who's already in a Republican stronghold. Yeah, right. That's right. Like common sense. The the my point is when you reach a general in a purple state, right, or in a in a it's or a state like Pennsylvania where it's difficult for a Republican to win nationwide because you have Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, right. You can't have someone who's divisive. Like, yeah. that is yep. just a losing strategy. Yep. And and my whole thing is that, you know, there's a lot of people, I, got, I had to, a Twitter discussion earlier, where they're like, well, the voter fraud, right? But the thing is, you have to do everything to make, if there's going to be potential voter fraud, and, and it's always a discussion as far as how much of that impacts the voting yeah. electorate. But you can't deny that Trump doesn't help himself when he's divisive. Right. Like, if we look at, let's say, uh, Barack Obama versus John McCain, obviously Barack Obama won that. That wasn't, that wasn't in contention, right? So if someone, let's say, back then wanted to cheat for John McCain, they would have had to do a really, really good job to cheat to push John McCain ahead yeah. of Barack yeah. Obama. So what I'm saying is, even if this is the case, even if I'm taking everybody's argument in, into position, it doesn't mean that you make the job harder. Right. I, mean, sure. I mean, easier yeah, for yeah. them. You make the job harder for them.
1: Do you believe that, and this is, this is where I struggle a lot right now, <laughs> do you believe that mm-hmm. DeSantis can win a primary against Trump because the primary voters are different than the general election voters? Who wins in that contest?
2: I think so. I think, it's, I think it's definitely possible. And the reason I say that is because, like I said, I talk to a lot of people who are Republicans who have Trump fatigue. Yeah. right? The, you know, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. When he said, Ron sanctimonious," yeah. <laughs> I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I'm done. Like, why would you do yeah. that uh, four days yeah. before the yeah. primary? That to me says that you're looking out for you and you're not looking out for the party right and i think also it would have been different if he was to do that towards somebody who everybody thought was a rhino in the first place and no one would have cared but they care for a reason it's because they know that ron desantis is a good candidate and and you don't you don't do stuff like that days before uh and um days before an election so can he win a primary yes i think he definitely can i think there are enough people where they have some fatigue. Listen, there are legit things that people can on the right, they can criticize Trump for, sure. right? For the fiscally responsible yep. people, they can say Trump, you spent way too much sure. money. For the people who are, you know, against the vaccines, yep. Trump keeps pushing yep. the vaccine. Yep. Why? Because he it he pushed it, it out was his there. Thing. Yeah. And he's it was his thing. So there are legit things that people on the right and, and Ron DeSantis and, and his campaign, if they were to go forward, can actually pick apart in a legitimate way with and look rational yep. while doing so. And I think that is something that um that Trump fears. I think that's why he all of a sudden took a shot at Ron DeSantis. You know, I think he truly fears it. Now, my my concern is that Ron doesn't want to run, not because he doesn't want to run in general, but he doesn't want to run because of Trump. I think that is a huge Mm -hmm. mistake. And I think if we're looking for someone who's a leader, you cannot be afraid to go against someone who is strong within your party. You have to be willing to face them. And Trump isn't flawless. And Ron and his campaign are smart enough to highlight those flaws, legitimate flaws, not... He doesn't even have to say January 6th. He doesn't even have to say anything like that. He can talk about legit things that he did wrong and and move forward within the uh, within the primaries.
1: Adam, your um, view of this, your analysis of this is significant for a lot of reasons. Uh, You write a lot about this and um, you've established a platform where others can write on things like this. And so uh, you're very thoughtful. But but. Your perspective is unique in that you don't come from the world of conservatism. This is not where you're from; um, it's kind of where you've landed. Um, you wrote an article recently, and this is kind of how um, you know I came to know you. Um, I voted Republican for the first time, and here's why I think was the title of it. And uh, yeah, I, I want to get into that, but just for the sake of people who are listening or watching, um, talk about your background a little bit, how you got into politics, how you became aware of. Politics. Why you write, um, and then how you kind of made the transition to where you are right now? From I've never voted Republican to I'm at Ron DeSantis's victory par-
2: <laughs> victory party. That is quite <laughs> quite a move, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the very very beginning was just like I'm, I'm just a regular guy um, who's basically watching everything that's happening around me, uh, plugged into politics um, as far as just. A viewer, and and actually, uh, primarily, I would say even the culture war stuff, Mm. Um, and I felt like I didn't have a voice, or at least like people weren't saying the things that I wanted to say, um, or the way I wanted to say it. So you know, there are people that I generally agree with, but I don't like how they're saying Mm. it, or I think they're missing points. Uh, You know, there's like this gray area that no one's talking about. Um, But I decided to sit down and write my book, Black Victim: The Black Victor. Um, took me about nine months. I self-published it. Um, so basically I went from someone who didn't have a public profile, uh, just a, worked a regular job uh, to putting myself out there just to see if anybody even cared about the the book I, I wrote uh, to being here today with over 70,000 followers yeah, on Twitter yeah. and writing for the New York Post and other publications um, all because I just decided to say something. Um And so I had no real expectations. Everything that's, you know, even just sitting here, you wanted to speak with me Mm -hmm. is a blessing. Um, And so that's kind of how I I came to this moment. Um, And as far as switching over to the other party, um, I read a little bit in my book, but it was much of a realization that the information that I was getting, um, I was analyzing it, but I was only analyzing half of the information. Um, I never truly understood the right wing or Republican conservative perspective, because that perspective was being filtered through a left wing media, mm. right? They were saying, uh, "Well, they like this, but the reason they like this because they're racist, or you know, some, <laughs> right. you know, just something ridiculous." Right. And you know, and I'm sitting here, and my biggest mistake was just defaulting to trusting the, the source of information. But once I broke through that my analysis became much stronger it's the reason why i can give such a strong analysis now as to what's going on because i know exactly how the left thinks i was on the left i know exactly what it's like to be that person who's a moderate liberal um or someone who's a moderate liberal who's talking to the left wing right the far left wing the progressives um even when i broke through that media mold i just said i want to listen to everything i listened to progressive media for months Right, to see how they think, what they advocate yeah. for. Does it make sense? Then I listen to conservative media. So when I criticize progressives, when I criticize the left, I'm criticizing because I know exactly how they think and what they're advocating for. Um, and the reason I'm today criticizing Trump supporters is because, or not all Trump supporters, obviously, but some of them, I'm saying, listen, you guys got to wake up because I know you love this guy, but if you want to win... You have to yeah. understand it is bigger than you. You know, a general election requires that you have the most amount of people voting for your candidate. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. if but if he only appeals to a niche end right. of a political spectrum, he can't ever win, no matter how much you like him. Um, and I'm you know, so I'm saying this with love to the people because I you know I I am now exposed to the right. I talk to Trump supporters all the time, and I think they're great people. But I think that there is a perspective on politics outside of Trump supporters that everybody that doesn't understand that the middle of the pack matters a lot, right? Uh, I think it's somewhere like 25% of the voting population is, I'm sorry, I might be messing this up. So forgive me, but it's like 25% of people who vote are Democrats, 25 who are Republicans. That means that there's 50% Mm. that somewhere in the middle, you have to fight for the people who are in the middle, right? Because those are somewhat swing voters. Uh, You know, I talk to people who who say I'm a swing voter. You know, I voted Republican and I voted for Democrat, depending on what's going on. Those people exist. And and not everything is a hardline position like, oh, you're an independent because you can't take a side. No, that like that's not how people work. Right. Right. (laughs) So Um, were you
1: is your family background on the left? I mean, were you raised in a in a culture of this is. Like I was raised very conservative. I was raised definitely on the right. Um, I have had to come to a point in my own life and being in the military and being around people and trying to read history and understand has helped to form that in me and make it my own. But mm-hmm. was your background that? And then you came to a point where you looked around and went, there's something not right here. How, how did how did that uh, evolution take place?
2: So I would say, you know, politically, my family is kind of apolitical. Mm. Like we, it was politics wasn't, you know, in my, in my family to discuss. Um, So I got into politics because I was just interested. You know, I was like, you know, I feel like I should know more. So let me just get, get involved in it. Um, But here's the thing for me, my introduction to politics was from a racial angle. Um, The person, uh, it was an ex-girlfriend of mine. She said she would tell me more about politics. She was more politically inclined than I was. And she said, um, the Republicans are racist and Democrats are for black people. And so that was my starting point. (laughs) And I just kind of went from there. Um, And so I think for me, it was what broke me out of it were contradictions. Um, It was contradictions from the media. It was contradictions of certain things happening. Uh, The other thing was exposure, Uh, independent media platforms, I can't tell you how many times I listened to Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. heard someone say something that I had never heard before. Yet I'm like, I'm I'm watching (laughs) stuff every day. How come I never heard about this? Um, You know, I I talk about a little bit in my book. While I was traveling abroad, I met this guy um, who was British uh, while living in Spain. And um, we became friends and we would have conversations back and forth uh, after I came back home. And one day he told me he was for brexit and i'm like isn't brexit for these racist white british people who don't like foreigners (laughs) right and you know i'm thinking of that to my to myself in my head but i had good faith in him because he's been nothing but nice to me and very intelligent guy so i asked him well why are you for brexit and he said the united states would never allow an outside governing body to tell it what to Mm. do Mm. and i said that makes a whole lot more sense yeah. than the, yeah, they're all just racist <laughs> narrative. <laughs> right. Like, And so from there, he's actually the one who introduced me to Thomas Sowell. Um, uh, interesting. He's one of the people who introduced me to all different types of libertarian, independent thinkers. And so, you know, I, I think those two big things was just contradictions stated by the mainstream media. And then just being introduced to people, even by accident, who thought differently than me, but I had good faith in yeah. them. And so I was willing to hear them out and just go on my own journey from there to decide what makes sense for me.
1: There's an entire new economy being created right now, filled with patriotic companies that have had enough of cancel culture and the left. One you can support every day and all you have to do is get dressed. I'm talking about under boxers. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made, probably because they have literally been tested by special forces operators they're made with high quality material that's antimicrobial, anti pilling, and moisture wicking. So you stay fresh and dry all day long. They come with a sturdy yet comfortable waistband that doesn't crack or loosen. Undertack is durable, ultra thin, and shrink resistant. Here's the best part they're almost 30% less than the woke designer brands with the non binary models. GetUnderTack.com. That's getUnderTack.com. 20% off site-wide with the offer code, but only with the offer code SITREP20. SITREP20. Support a great American company that's pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com. Offer code SITREP20. And That, that makes so much sense. That That is the path that you would hope everyone would go down, but unfortunately, that's not the path most people go down. Um, one of the things that you wrote about in your article and you talk about is the Democrats' position on life and kind of the radical mm-hmm. position they've taken on life. Um, we've talked a lot about this, and I don't think this would be um, new information to anyone that the mainstream narrative for the Democrat Party is abortion at any time for any reason. I mean, that, and it's it, it's insane that we've come to that place, but that's where we are how has the left become so radicalized on things like the abortion issue and like the gender issues and these other issues that have always been conversations, but now these are up front, out in the open, uh, main plank uh, issues that they're standing on right now? How, how did the Democrat Party get to that? I, and, and on the other side of that, the other side of the scale, why have the Republican Party not Why has the Republican Party not stood more strongly against these things? DeSantis has, but many in the Republican Party have not. So how how did one kind of go this way, down, and the other one is just out in the front, in your face all the time with that?
2: So I think the best way of putting it is that Democrats have gotten politically lazy. um, And they Mm. decided to appease the progressive left uh, without doing progressive things, right? Right. So one thing I notice about the Democrat establishment is that they show signs of I hear what you're saying. Right. Right. And it and there's no effort in saying trans children should be able to to transition. Right. Right. There's no there's no uh, political effort to just state that. Right. Um, but as far as legislative matters. Yeah. Have they really done much that's progressive? Not too much, not too many things. Um, on the state level, it's a little bit different. Like Gavin Newsom is willing to do some crazy nonsense, sure. uh, and California is just a, a mess on its yeah. own. So we're not even going to bring that's that that's
1: my in, state. But- that's where I am. So yes, uh, yeah, you, I- I'm <laughs> living that every day.
2: You're absolutely right. Yes, oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but as far as like as far as like the on that on the national federal level yeah. politics, the the Democrat Party has shifted away from even just showing that they, they are of a liberal value, right. right? Which, in the you know, in, in right. the actual sense of the word of being free speech, um, of allowing people individuality and to do things that, as they want yep. and as they please, that was the party that I liked. Yep. Right. Um, I, and even to this day, that, and see, this is, this shows you how politics change because now the right is talking about free speech. Mm. Right. And so because of that, now I'm on right. the right, sure. you know, so it's, You know, uh, politics is weird like that. But I think, generally speaking, the Democrat Party has become politically lazy. They've allowed the progressives to get a louder voice. They've allowed the progressive solution to become the correct social solution. Um, And much of the political powers have basically succumbed to the pressure of progressives after the death of George Floyd, um, especially but uh, I would say the two key moments were the death of George Floyd and the the pandemic, where they started taking on this progressive vision mm-hmm. of the world of the society. But George Floyd was like like the floodgates opening. As far that's when you started seeing like DEI everywhere. That's when you started seeing uh obviously black lives matter everywhere that's where you started seeing this major push to teach sexuality within the classrooms why well we, because we have to make everybody feel welcome and good including people of color yeah. right it, it, that's when you started hearing all these all these clues that's why you start to hear Joe Biden saying that uh the the hurricane is going to be bad especially for pe- yeah, people right. of color right. you know <laughs> just like anything arbitrarily what what they're doing is it's a socially progressive playbook that's off putting and they don't realize it. And the, the biggest problem I see for the Democrats is that hubris is their anchor, right? Hubris keeps them down and prevents them from actually making a change and realizing that this isn't this isn't working. Yeah. Right? Instead, they double down. And here's here's also the other problem with not having that red wave. Not having that red wave doesn't give the the Democrats an opportunity to be like, oh, man, maybe we yeah, really did right, fuck up.
1: Right. 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 Um, yeah, I think that is. Pro- so a lot of gains have happened and we're waiting to see how some of the other races shake out. But I think the Republicans in a normal environment could say this was a this was a good midterm for us. We did a good yeah. job. But without that red wave, the mandate, so to speak, to moderate the liberal behavior has has not come. Um, and I think that will be the narrative. Um, go back to to George Floyd. How was George Floyd, that incident? We've had racial issues in our country since forever, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Why was that event so significant toward the progressive agenda or normalizing the progressive agenda?
2: I think the video. Mm. I think the video really, it allowed for a really stark picture to be Painted. Was that
1: So then was um, that something that progressives were waiting for something like that to happen? And now they have the meme, they have the picture, they have the video. So this is the reason we can do the things we've wanted to do.
2: Yeah. And I think it was like this weird, perfect combination of that moment for George Floyd matched, matched together with the frustration of the pandemic yeah. and being locked up. And then it was just like a powder keg yeah. of people yeah. who just went outside and just chaos started happening throughout that year um but i don't know part of me thinks that the years of watching you know these progressives within uh colleges purple hair feminists and all this other crazy stuff there we were thinking that when they would hit uh real life that real life would hit them back and then that they you know shake out of this um or at least be like a very low a low level feminist or something like that (laughs) low level progressive Uh, But but the reality is that for every passing year, every every year that these people are graduating college and they're entering the workforce. But the difference is that the old people who are running the show are leaving and the newer people are coming in and have been slowly introducing things, slowly changing things. So I kind of see it as when a, a tragedy like George Floyd's happens, people look for solutions and the progressives have been fostering this yeah. solution yeah. for a long yeah. time and on the right the problem is that they had no solution they and and in some cases people see the right as saying that there isn't a problem right and how do you convince that there is yeah. how do you convince yeah. people that there yeah. isn't a problem when they actually feel like I'm watching this yeah, there's, a, sure. there's a problem yeah, right here right. so so the pro- progressives had a solution whether it was an actual solution or not they portrayed it as being a solution, and that solution was anti-racism. That solution was DEI in corporations, right? Their solution was pushed forward. And as far as the Democrats go, they fell along with it, too, because they were looking for an easy solution politically that sounds sound, you know, like, oh, we, we have the infrastructure yeah. already. Yeah, let's just move forward with it. Um, but now we're starting to see the ramifications of it. And, and how it turns a lot of people off. Um, so I think the only way that this doesn't work out for the Republicans is if they mess it up for themselves.
1: Interesting. Um, and I have a couple questions. So here's the first one. Why aren't more people like you? <laughs> Why don't more people <laughs> vote their character and conscience over party? I, I, because what I'm hearing from you is your position has remained essentially the same, your worldview, but the parties that we have the option to vote for have changed and shifted. And so you're putting your support behind the people that best represent you. That's what right. I'm hearing from you. Why Why don't we all do that? Why are people unable to look at, and again, not to go back to the abortion issue, but to issues like the abortion issue. I, It's absolutely insane to me that we see so much polling that would indicate that most Americans are not in favor of late term abortion and abortion on demand and all these issues. And yet, we continue to elect politicians, state governments um, here in California, in Michigan. Uh, just yesterday, we, as an electorate, decided these things need to be part of the state constitution. Mm-hmm where's the breakdown between I know what's right or what I believe there's character, there's conscience, but I'm still going to vote for these people instead of those people. Why are we unable to do that?
2: Um, so I think there's a human nature to find some sort of group association. Um, you know, I'm not trying to pick on Trump supporters, but I sure. think it's like the easiest yeah. thing to kind of discuss. Like if you think of it from like, I'm a, I'm a sports guy. And when you think of it from a sports situation um you have trump supporters who actually a lot of them used to be kind of apolitical yeah who now found a team yeah right yeah and trump is associated with the republicans and they follow the team of trump and so they wear his yeah. uniform they wear the right. hat right you know they wear the shirt they have the paraphernalia right that is their team and we find some sort of group association within politics like how we do it a sports team Right? So if you're a fan of a particular team and you go to a stadium, you sit next to a guy, you have no idea who he is, but you see he's wearing the same uniform or, or showing yeah, yeah. he has the same hat. Yeah. You feel some sort of association with that. And I think that there is a lot of political association of the strength of a team, of a familiarity with the team. Uh, some of it is generational. Some of it is my family. We raised this way and I, you know, we felt the same yeah. way. I think ultimately what it comes down to is that a lot of people vote for certain politicians for different reasons, right? So of what is my strongest interest is protecting children. For someone else, it's like economics, strictly economics, Mm. right? And for someone else, it may be be due to rhetoric of this person doesn't seem like a nice guy. right? (laughs) right. So it's, I like, I understand people's frustration because you may see someone as like a, as a complete threat to our society who wants to do all types of crazy stuff and and, and put in things that are communistic, like, but for someone else who's working a nine to five and then after work, they have to take care of their parents and then here come their kids. And all they have is about 10, 15 minutes of turning on the television to say that Donald Trump is a, you know, a devil and and he's all these (laughs) terrible things, you know. You don't have time. You you only have how basically like how we interpret anything else when it comes to a person. It's the same reason why when they go campaigning uh, through like Ohio or, or something yeah. like that, through a battleground state, they go into the diners. Right. And then they talk to the diners. are like, oh, you know, he seemed like a nice guy. <laughs> right. You know, right. I asked him two questions and he's, he gave me a decent answer. I'll vote yeah. for him. Right. Right. Why? Because that candidate had enough charisma to go over to a complete stranger and just have a conversation with them. And the guy got a vibe off of him Mm. that maybe he's genuine. Right. So we we're always looking for genuine cues. Like even last night, uh, Ron DeSantis is right in front of my face and he's speaking. And so I'm interpreting is what he's saying of a genuine danger. And, and interestingly enough, uh, my, my plus one was a, um, Psychologist, and we're kind of me and her are both into obviously psychology and we're analyzing the, the different donors yep. and people that we're, we're meeting. Right. And we're like, what'd you think of that person? Ah, oh, they seem genuine. And then actually funny enough, there were uh, a group of donors who are like who I would call like salt of the earth. Right. And I could tell within just one minute, I like these. Yeah.
1: People. Right. Right.
2: You know, and it's, that's how we, we treat politics sometimes because Politics is ultimately people. It's a, yeah. it's a people uh, orientation. And from a politician standpoint, they're trying to appeal to people, or at least they should appeal to people. Uh, the Democrats, it's questionable how they do that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they're trying to at least appeal to people. And so I just think that people are just doing the same thing that they, they do with anything else uh, when they move about life. They'll have short term interactions with people and they're just kind of figure out like, I like this person or I don't like this person or that person says one thing. And this has happened to me. person says one thing. You're like, I don't like that person. Like, I don't even like how they said that. Yeah. And I know nothing else about them. But that's that's what we have to do. We have to make snap judgments. And sometimes we do that in politics. Uh,
1: So if it is the Republican Party's, you know, future to lose, um, particularly the, the presidency. What should the Republican Party be doing right now? What should they be doing over the next couple of years to make those connections, to be the bridge to those people who right now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if they're undecided or they can be swayed. Um, I certainly believe the, the, the rules of elections have changed. People are deciding earlier who they're going to vote for. They're not waiting until election day. So there's a lot at play there. What should Republicans be doing right now They looked at yesterday and went, okay, that didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to. Um, The presidency is not guaranteed. We need to start doing these things right now. What are those things?
2: The first thing is, and whether it's Republican or Democrat, the thing I learned about politics is you cannot play fantasy football with politics. Huh, that's good. You can't, you can't say, oh, we'll just have Trump and DeSantis on a ticket or uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we'll have Trump for four years yeah. and then we'll have DeSantis do yeah, the other yeah, yeah. Like that never happens. It never works. Right. It, within politics, who is hot has to run with it. If you do not run with it at that time, there is no guarantee for all I know in four years, there's going to be a rising star in the Republican party and it's not Ron DeSantis or uh, five years from now, Ron DeSantis does something that is seen as negative and questionable yep, yep. and his star just dies. So from, from a political standpoint, you have to run with who is hot at the right time. And right yep. now is the right time to, to back Ron DeSantis. And Even more so, like this, these midterms showed us that the Trump stamp on people is not the the kingmaker thing that we thought it was. Right. You need strong candidates. And sometimes Trump's name actually makes a candidate's win worse, right? I was actually just talking to someone about Lee Zeldin, and and they they know him personally. He's He's a good man, and he has a possibility of winning. But because he did certain things with Trump, he is seen as a lackey for Trump. Yeah. And it's unfair to Lee Zeldin, right, that that he has this label. yeah. But that's the reality, is that Trump, his doing or not his doing, or however people see it, Trump's name is not a uniting sure. name at this sure. moment. It is a divisive name. It is a name that exhausts people even on the right. And the what they need to do is either... Back someone like Ron DeSantis because he is hot right now and he is likely to remain hot, especially after a landslide win. I mean, Florida is considered a battleground state. Right. And and so he had a landslide win. That should tell you something. Right. And this doesn't happen often. It is the most obvious thing to me that you go with Ron DeSantis. You have to move forward with him and you have to start distancing yourself from Trump. The problem is Trump. Right. Trump has a lot of push and a lot of influence. The most ideal thing, which would, I honestly, like we said earlier, is like a 1% chance <laughs> 1%. of happening. Uh, the most ideal thing is that Trump does not run. Trump runs in the background, uh, you know, as far as not even selecting candidates, because what ends up happening is like, oh, I was selected by Trump. Yeah. What he can do is be influential in the background. He can be someone who has a pack, who donates money to whoever's. Uh, campaign right he can still have influence he doesn't have to completely disappear and die on right. politics right but he cannot be the frontman of the band because it's not working yeah. people don't like the lead singer anymore
1: right man so much more uh, we could talk about but uh adam i appreciate uh, your insight um you're so thoughtful and articulate it's very very helpful where can people um, follow you on social media of course but yeah. uh, you write a lot and you put out a lot of content where can people follow you
2: Uh, Definitely on Twitter, uh, at wrong underscore speak. Um, Definitely go to wrongspeak.net. You know, I have different writers who who write through there, and we're starting to go down the avenue of publishing other people's books uh, within the next uh, few months. Um, uh, As far as myself, definitely go to my Substack, .substack adambcoleman.substack.com. And I also write uh, pretty frequently for the New York Post, almost on a weekly basis now um, amongst other publications. So, um, December is going to be the the month where I'm ste- stepping it up even more. I'm going to be writing a lot more. Um, and uh, anybody who's going to America Fest, I'll be there. I'll have a table, um, and you can get a signed copy of my book. Awesome.
1: Adam Coleman, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time and, uh, your insight and look forward to connecting again. I'm sure there'll be other things we could talk about. So we'll, uh, we'll do this oh, again, yeah. hopefully soon.
2: Anytime. Thank right. you.
1: Thank you. I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now crazy shipping, uh, free shipping and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need (laughs) to take a look at. You can call for details 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit, and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, even wars, and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios. Uh, One of the things I love about Lear Capital is that they are an American-owned company, proud to do business with Americans that share conservative values. Write this number down, 800-489-6450. Call them today, or if you don't want to call, you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes. Check them out. You will do yourself a great service by at least investigating Lear and what they have to offer. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Some of them will go to the VA and they'll try to get you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD, you know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications, and when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live.
0: Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't
1: know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, (laughs) I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed a social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. I'm yeah, glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Appreciate that conversation with Adam. Please go and uh, check him out on social media. He's very active on Twitter and uh, on his Substack. Uh, writes often and is very much someone who's out in the front. A young guy dealing with a lot of these issues, breaking these things down. He thinks clearly. He speaks clearly. Do yourself a favor and follow him. And uh, I know that you'll be happy that you have done that. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Now, now is the time to subscribe. Do that right away and then share this content out with others. One thing has become clear. In the next few years, we need good information and we need to hear the right perspective from people who understand what's going on and can really condense that and bring that into a format that we can understand, that we can take it and we can make decisions based on what's actually happening. Having the perspectives we need to navigate an ever-changing culture. That's what we talk about. This show does that. And I would encourage you to follow along, to share the content out with others. And we look forward to having great conversations in the future. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.